Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. Hello and welcome to the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. I'm Scott and I'm joined by Matt. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Good. Uh, good to be back here with you doing another episode. And I've actually made a little bit of personal news here. I actually made a bit of a change in the way I have been taking in rugby league content. Um, I've given up the NRL 360, <laughs> coming from somebody who uh, pretty much watched, well, has watched the vast majority of episodes since the start. I haven't watched an episode for, well, this will be my third week now, and I am enjoying life a lot more because of it. Well, I've seen some Twitter movement saying, some accounts saying you would enjoy life better if you ditched 360. So I don't know if you're behind that or started that, but I saw no. it. No, it's got nothing to do with me. I haven't seen that. But um, NRL 360 started off as one of those, or started off as the rugby league show, I think. It really gave a different angle to rugby league at the time and rugby league from every angle. And they were mostly um, providing different and really good content. But lately, unfortunately, I've just found that uh, it's just a bunch of middle-aged men yelling at each other over opinions that are outdated. Uh, moved on, left it behind, replaced it with a bit of the fan, a bit of some other wholesome content, and uh, yeah, rugby league life is much more enjoyable without midweek screaming matches. Plus, mm. you, everything they cover on the show, you can read in five minutes on their website straight afterwards anyway, so you're not missing out on any news, or what they call news anyway. So yeah, change for me. There we go, this is breaking, this is... <laughs> Just fresh breaking news. I didn't know that we're hitting going there to start the show, but he's ditched 360. He's enjoying league a bit better. I thought I, I thought <coughs> I changed. Thought, well, yeah, not the games. The games are the same, but um, just the overall experience. I thought I'd change it up a little bit. Uh, a lot of our episodes the last couple of years have been quite similar due to results, but I thought I'd throw that in there. Uh, and yeah, freed up a <laughs> few hours throughout the week and uh, doing well. Okay. Before- no, wait, before yeah. we go into that, now you've you started the show like that, let me hit this up. Any listeners, I'm surely you listen to the start of the show before, hopefully we don't bore you too quickly in the show, and then you just scramble to the end or scramble to the opinion. Tell us if you listen to 360, or watch 360, sorry, watch another 360, or tell us if you're a recent, you know, dropped off recently because of middle-aged men arguing about things. Tell us if, if you like and hate it, drop it in. Uh, give us a tweet at NRL Bulldogs fans Instagram NRL Bulldogs underscore fans email NRL Bulldogs dot fans at gmail dot com uh, Facebook NRL Bulldogs fans podcast uh, anchor you know <laughs> wherever you consume our content tweet whatever it is message us privately just randomly just start a thread with us on whatever those those social media platforms message us if you listen to the show and all that we might actually put it in the next couple of weeks in our show and have a bit of fun at something something a little bit different and I've just put that on the spot as well. But now we can yeah, go to you the got Bulldogs. the socials. you got the socials out there early in this episode. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah, we haven't done it in a few weeks. In a few weeks, I suppose. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Before we get deep into the <coughs> the review of the game, as Scott still hasn't got over his cough from six weeks ago, um, I'm going to start off with some positive, some positive takes first before we get into anything else. Uh, I'll tell you what, it's really good to be able to go to the football and enjoy watching your team put up a fight and put up points on the scoreboard. Uh, it hasn't always been the case for us this year, uh, but obviously since Pod has taken over, I think I saw some crazy stats during the week that um, a lot of our attacking stats are up between 120 and 150%. And to be in games against teams like South Sydney, who are clearly 
uh, got more quality in their team than us at the moment uh, and been pushing them for most of the way. It's definitely a huge improvement. Um, that's great to see. Not yeah. that uh, that is the standard for what Bulldogs fans and members expect uh, and what the club should should accept. But, um, yeah, grateful for that improvement. And it wasn't a whole year of uh, what we were getting uh, earlier in the year. Yes, yeah, so, uh, another positive, 6.15pm kickoff, 19,126 fans. On a cold night. <laughs> On a cold night. want to, you know, thank everyone. The South Sydney fans... You know, absolutely terrific fan base. Us, we're just a bit better than them, I reckon, uh, in the fan base. But, you know, two good fans. You play that at 4 o'clock on a Sunday, you could say you're pushing towards the mid-20s um, or a 2 o'clock game. And where we're coming on the ladder, when the bottom four, we're, we're the home team, 19,000. So everyone who went out there, uh, it was epic. It was loud. You could hear the South fans when they were scoring, but you can also hear the Canterbury fans. It wasn't like overly... I reckon we had, we outnumbered them, but, you know, it was a good contingent from everyone who came to the game. So everyone who came... And I think there was a Random Eels fan this time at the game, I saw. Just a Random Eels one, trying to just mix it up a little bit. Uh, the South fans. Um, Absolutely. Thanks for everyone who came like and all that. It was good enjoyment. The players definitely put a show on for everyone involved because it could have went any way until the end. And, um, yeah. For the first 70 minutes, yeah. And to stay on the positive theme, uh, we had a little bit of a muck around about Declan Casey's debut, a couple of errors uh, early on, then he got knocked out. Uh, but what about his performance on the weekend, really stamping himself as a top-grade player? We've been uh, talking about it all season. I'm not sure if it was on this podcast or off it, but we've been talking about Declan Casey ever since we saw him play really well in the trials earlier this year. Yeah. He was the uh, unknown player, if you will, that took out Caelan Ponga in a trial. Uh, but not just that, uh, he's been really, really solid in uh, the lower grades, um, playing a mixture of wing, centre and fullback. I like him as a fullback and a centre, uh, mostly, from his New South Cup form. And to see him bring that into the NRL, and uh, after that, you know, disappointing debut two weeks earlier, uh, disappointing... Um, because obviously got knocked out and you don't want <laughs> that to happen in any game, let alone your first game, um, for him to come back and stamp his little uh, mark on the NRL with a performance like that on Sunday night was incredible to see. Take, yeah, take some notes, anyone who's listening and stuff like that, um, from Declan Case's performance. He had <clears throat> the horrid start of his career. Uh, one week, well, two weeks later because we had the bye, but, you know, game later, he's scoring a try, running the length, almost length of the field, you know, creating stuff, being a very, you know, contributed a lot to our 28 points um, in that. But, you know, he had a bad start, but you can turn it around. You can turn it around. Just a bad mm. day doesn't mean it's going to, you know, think so if you're at work or whatever and you had a bad day or you're new to a new job or whatever, like, look what Declan mm. just did at the top grade. He had that the horrid start. Then he got chugged in because the players got COVID. So he wasn't even meant to play. He got chucked in relatively early in the week, though. So it wasn't, like, too late in the week. Chucked in, and he shined. He shined so well. So it's a good story. Um, yeah. Absolutely yeah, look, when he well, scored. Oh, sorry. So I was going to say, when he scored that try, I remember standing up, my, just standing up, getting off my seat, and just yelling out, Casey! I was so proud of him. <laughs> so happy. I love it when, you know, a player, you know, because it was an amazing first try as well. 
Oh, it was fantastic. Slide across I, the footwork, the, the, the show of the ball, yeah. the dive into the corner. It was all there. You could almost forgive him if he went to Adokar because, you know, Adokar one of the best finishers in the world. I think uh, it almost surprised him. If you look at the, the look on his face straight, uh, straight afterwards, he looks a bit surprised that the defence held off him. Mm. And yeah, I, I think he wanted to pass the ball. <laughs> they just held off him. Uh, went a little bit across field and forward at the same time. All of a sudden, there was an opportunity to dive into the corner. And I think you can see that surprise on his face. That you know, one, did that just happen? But two, how that just opened up for him. Mm, I also, want to add with the Declan Casey for a bit of positivity. I put a comment on Facebook. I don't usually comment much on Facebook, um, as myself and Bulldog stuff. We usually leave that. And sometimes, if I feel like I need to laugh, I read the, some of the comments because it's fantastic at that one. Uh, but I commented. <coughs> When Declan Case is making saying that he was going to play game two of his career, he's replacing Aaron Shop. I said, <coughs> horrid start, like you know, would have been the worst possible start playing in that wet weather, that absolutely thing. However, very talented Nisafas, he's been very talented. Nisafas has been a great player in our cup and deserves a you know the shot in the team. Got all these likes and these all these positive reactions, and I had one person laugh, a bit of a name. Caught at me not knowing my uh, football. So when he scored that try, I was like, yes. I got the last laugh, I told you. He deserves to be there. So I was, you know, a bit of positivity up for Declan. Yeah, I'll tell you what. What we might do is, because I have a feeling that you might want to bring up a few incidences from the game to tee off at. Um, and I'll yep. obviously let you have that opportunity later. Uh, normally, if there's a blow-up, it's me. But I think this episode will be more you. Um, so what we might do before that is we might just jump to the um, player performances, uh, give our three, two, ones. I will give a, after that give a quick summary of the game as the way I saw it, and then mm-hmm. I know there's those couple of uh, incidences that that you sort of want to bring up. But I'll kick things off. We've been talking about him. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. We were talking about Declan Casey. He gets three points from me. Uh, so he gets onto the leaderboard. Um, we've obviously talked about, you know, his story a little bit already uh, on this podcast, but just to round it off with a bit of stats to back up what we're saying, in case you are crazy weird and don't <laughs> don't believe he deserves it. He had a try. He took 11 runs for 161 metres, 34 of those post-contact metres, two line breaks, two tackle breaks, Two offloads, made 14 tackles in the centres, um, which is the most uh, by the back five in the Bulldogs. Obviously, uh, was a part of another try as well and scored his first. Uh, well, I said he scored a try, but that was a pretty good debut try. And when I say debut try, I mean first try, sorry. No, I knew what you meant. I agree so much with you that I've given Declan the three points. Um, almost put of putting him down to two points because of the haircut. Not a fan, but I realise <laughs> it's you can't not bad. Do... It's not bad. Like just chop that bit off at the back, and it'd be all good. Um, <laughs> I joke, of course. Um, can't before we move on too much, how good is it to see like Declan Casey come through? He looks like a bulldog. Karaz looks like a bulldog. Moran looks like a bulldog. We're starting to see shop. Um, yep, shop. But he's been around a little bit now. Um, these type of players come through, and you know, players that could make up the nucleus of the team moving forward. It's probably the other major um, positive story out of the season as well. No, 100%. That's well said. Like You could see those boys next five, ten years, hopefully be in the club, like still there and be fan favourite. They might not be the mega stars 
but you can see them being very much fan favourites and very important of where the Bulldogs are going. Definitely. And I'll tell you what, I'll give, the, give a little bit of a giveaway here. The next two players for us are totally different. So uh, you, who got your two? I got, I got my two to Kyle Flanagan this week, and um, <coughs> his stats are unreal. Um, <coughs> obviously, he played the 80 minutes. Three try assists. I know one of those try assists is where he gave it to uh, Avrilo at the end. And mm-hmm. I must say, unselfishly gave it to Avrilo. I think he could have scored that try. And I think uh, I don't think he would have had the. I might have got there, but he, I think he made the right decision looking on the no, inside and seeing the pace. Yeah. 100% like in that situation, I think he was. I want to say he was a 90% chance of getting over that line and scoring. Yeah. But then you saw, you know, the faster man. You wouldn't blame him if he goes, I'm just going for the run. You know, he's only scored the one try this year. You wouldn't, I wouldn't have blamed him if he charged, backed himself. But three try assists, two tackle breaks, a line break assist, <coughs> two offloads. He made 11 tackles. I just want to, he's doing his role. He's not overplaying his hand, but I feel like it was a really good performance. Like he, he three tries, he's very smart. And I <coughs> just felt like, you know, he deserved it. I felt like he, he played well. His stats in some departments might not be as high as other things, but just watching him live, I felt that he was a really good contributor to the team. Mm. And he's, he's definitely, made... he's definitely unlocked Burton. Burton's a lot more freer now. To play his his natural game since Flanagan's come back in, as so well. Yeah, yeah, that's why you've gone two points for Flanagan. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. For uh, I just that. Want, sorry, I just wanted to make the point uh, for Matty Burden as well. A stat that stuck out to me when I was having a look a bit earlier. He had thirteen kicks, and you know, Matty Burden's not on our list of players this week. Thirteen kicks for three hundred and fifty-four meters. Now that that's still you know pretty good work rate. However. The start of the year, he was kicking 500, 600 metres a game. So I think that just shows the difference in the attack and us being able to work out. We're not relying on those big boots as often throughout the 80 minutes as That's we made there earlier in the year. Yeah. Um, That's my good, number two. Good pick up, by the way. My two points. I've gone to somebody who laid the foundations. And I think a player who's been, you know, I think it'd be just disappointed to see him leave at the end of the year. And uh, that would be something if we went back in the time machine and told all of ourselves this uh, before round one, we'd probably laugh. Um, because I don't think there's much fanfare or excitement about Paul Vaughan coming to the club, but he's been a real key component of the um, of the forward pack. And I was hearing comments in the stadium uh, on Sunday night saying that we should have kept Vaughan as well. So just random uh, conversations there. He played for forty. Uh, sorry, played for uh, forty-five minutes. Uh, he had a try. So whenever a big man gets a try, you got to put him in your top three. <laughs> That's fair. That's twelve fair. runs for a, twelve runs, hundred twenty-seven metres, fifty-five of those uh, being the post contact. His work rate was thirty-five. T- oh, so he had one offload, thirty-five tackles, uh, with only the two missed, uh, and two of those tackles being one-on-one tackles. He's, you know. Uh, you could probably argue for other players if you really wanted to to put in the list, but um, forwards lay the platform. He's definitely done that this year, and um, yeah, reward for consistent performances perhaps. But um, highlighting uh, Paul Vaughan there for my two. That's good. Uh, I've got one point. <clears throat> someone says this is controversial, and this is someone who cops it a little bit. He, um team and people ask why he selected but I've gone Corey with Dell and now he played 80 minutes on the, the weekend he constantly keeps doing it um 80 minutes mm. he's become a bit of a 
bit of a workhorse a little bit uh, <clears throat> in for the Bulldogs. Um, he did 12 runs, sorry, did 15 runs for 109 metres, uh, 34 post-contact metres, <coughs> um, one line break in that mm-hmm. game. He also got shifted to centre uh, when Adakar came off the field. And he, he, made an error, he made an error or two, but he also brought the Bulldogs back in the game with one of his runs where Burton went out to him and he made the line break and he bamboozled their run. That was the Paul Vaughan try. And it started mm-hmm. from Corey Riddell's, uh, Matt Burton and Corey Riddell's run. And Corey Riddell looked like a natural centre, bamboozling some of the, some of the South players, which was fantastic. And then before, like, you know, Vaughan, he got over. So <coughs> someone like Corey Riddell is <coughs> copying it left, right, centre from fans. I think it's a bit harsh. I think, you know, he's been able think- to... To be shifted to center, to do his job. He's been on the edge. He's making tackles. Yes, he's he's probably got an error or two in him, and he'll probably be one of the first people to admit that's something he needs to clean up. But you know, he's been he's, an absolute workhorse for us this year as well, though. So. Yeah, workhorse. Uh, you put him in the middle as well, and he'll still yeah. get through get through the work. So he's no, become a, a bit of a versatile. I'm a Corey Wiggle <laughs> fan. Um, Absolutely. Very, very good. Okay, Scotty, for my one point, uh, might be a bit of a shock. Uh, I've got Josh had a car for one. Now, when I told you uh, I was going Josh had a car before we started recording, you were a bit shocked saying that you thought he was a bit quiet. And in the first half, I thought he was too. And then he came off with 17 minutes to go. So I can understand a little bit of confusion out there. Yeah. Um, I like however, <laughs> however, if you want to have a stats argument, 11 runs for 110 metres. That's not bad for a quiet game. <laughs> Nine tackle breaks, one line break. Um, so for the strike weapon, that is a pretty decent statistical uh, stats there in only 63 minutes of the game. I also think that perhaps we may have lacked a little bit of Josh Adekar leadership towards the end of that game. We could have definitely dealt with him out there. Uh, you've seen him on mic'd up on the Benji show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks a lot for our team. Uh, he's one of them, well, probably the most experienced player, maybe. You'd have to give it to him over Jackson even, just because of the rep football. Um, so, yeah, I'll tell you what, if that's a quiet game, I think anyone anyone else that uh, played as a winger, that only played 63 minutes for 11 runs and 110 metres, he's getting a lot more raps than Josh Adekar is getting after the weekend. Uh, yes, he had that little bit of embarrassing, well, not embarrassing, but that push off by Latron Mitchell. But I think, um, and the other thing, I almost forgot this, the non-statistical argument, uh, I really thought he was battling out there. He's obviously had a, a back injury. It's been, it's, I didn't realise during the game, but he's also had an, uh, a leg injury. He's been named this week, so hopefully he's fit to play. But he was fighting that injury for a long time before he came off too. And that reminded me of your Josh Morris's, <laughs> your gritty players like that, um, before he eventually succumbed to it. So Josh Adokar, um, getting my points there. I also didn't think, uh, with respect to the players that you've picked there, Scotty, that there was too many out-and-out great performances as well, um, standout performances as well. Fair enough, yeah, but fair argument you were saying about Josh in the car. Um, and yeah, I was gonna say, I think he was injured in the first half. I think he was oh, struggling think, up the, yeah, in he was, the first half. I think it was quite early, I think it might have been the first 20 minutes. He was already stretching that back out. Um, but yeah, top top five, we'll go for the top five. What that looks like now, uh, we've got a new 
new person entering the list, Declan Casey. Uh, he's not in the top five, but <laughs> another player on the list. Okay, uh, first is still Matt Burton. Can anyone catch him? I'm going to probably say no. At the moment, he's probably a dollar one favourite for the NRL Bulldogs Fan Podcast Player of the Year because Josh Adekar's second with 20 points. Um, Adekar may miss some football going forward, and there is only seven games left. You've got to think Burton might get some points as well. In third, Paul Vaughan on 18 points. Um, fourth, tied Max King and Jeremy Marshall King, the half-brothers, as we <laughs> like to have a joke. And uh, fifth place, Corey Waddell uh, with that point from Scotty there. Um, goes into 10 points and into that top five. Six players in the top five at the moment because of that draw uh, between the half-brothers. Alrighty, as far as the game goes... Um, what I will say before Scotty's going to take over is that um, I think it was clear that South Sydney were a better team than the Bulldogs. But the Bulldogs did well to um, to really be where they were in the whole context of the game. But I think the two differences and the two things that um, got South the win on Sunday night were these two things. One, Latrell Mitchell. I know you're going to talk about Latrell later in a different way, but uh, that try he scored um, was really good. Uh, it was one of those ones where it happened, and I think as a Bulldog fan, you just went, oh, why, why this week? <laughs> um, mm. Straight after we scored as well. I'll tell you what, those moments are the moments that you, you your head really makes connections between Latrell and Craig Inglis, um, those type of plays. But I thought he, he was quite good... Um, not just in that play, throughout the entire match. I thought he had a big impact on the game. I haven't rewatched the game. I've only going off uh, what I saw at the stadium, by the way. So yeah, if anyone sees so anything, if anyone's seen anything different or disagrees from the television, fair enough, let us know. Um, but I, I almost... I did have the thought watching the game for the Trolls playing for the Bulldogs. Bulldogs probably have the advantage. I thought I think Latrell's in that that good of a form at the moment, uh, which is great. And I think the second thing, well, great for South, <laughs> not so much for us. The second major difference um, was the kick return meters. So I don't have the stats to look at for any comparison or whatever, but in that second half, in particular. Sorry, not kick return meters. First set after points. <laughs> Got confused there. First set after points. I feel like particularly in that second half, when the Bulldogs were scoring tries, the next set we were being limited uh, in regards to meters gained almost every time to the point where we scored the point in the next set. I don't, don't remember making too many errors in that set, but the next set we really struggled to get over our own end. Uh, had to put a kick in from deep inside our own territory and Souths uh, get the ball in good territory and pretty much score, uh, you know, tit for tat. They tatted this really quick because of that. You know, it stood out to me. I don't know if you saw it, Scotty, but um, the set after points, I don't know if it was uh, our mindset or just really great Souths defence. Um, we were really struggling. And when South scored, they didn't have the same issue getting out of their own end. <laughs> what I add to that is um, <coughs> when you see the kick chase and stuff, oh, the kick return, I think the kick chase from South was so good as well. Like, there was times where Adokar couldn't even move. Adokar yeah. um, would catch the ball and be hit as it almost felt like as he was getting <coughs> or just turned around and 
win. Um, yeah, and, and that's a good point as well. And with that, maybe it was the um, mindset of Souths, that defensive mindset of kick chasers, that defensive mindset off off the restarts as well. But I've never had that. How do I put this? Something that specific stand out to me being so drastically different than on Sunday night. Yeah. Okay. What you're talking about? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know. If people want to go back and rewatch it and look out for it. You can. Uh, if you think I'm full of shit, tell us. That's fine. Uh, but it was a thought I was having during the game. It wasn't even something I've reflected on. I was. I was even saying to the person sitting next to me, "Look at this." Off the uh, restarts after we score, we're struggling to get out of our own end. And when South score, they're getting out fairly easily. Uh, in a game that was finished, was it 36 28? Only a try and a penalty goal or a try and uh, a misconversion from us. Um, you know, those those can be the differences. That over 80 minutes can be the major difference. Mm. No, it's very good. I might actually watch that again <laughs> and see if you're full of shit. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> so, you, 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 <laughs> okay. You know, I was upset. So, first of all, I'm going to, I think it'd be safe to say, I think a lot of South fans said it too. I saw it on social media. I was, Jesus, they get the rub of the green against Canterbury. They were rub of the green. Uh, I think there was a few forward passes in the first half. What, uh, one definitely what led to a try that wasn't picked up. Uh, it had Adokar fuming. Adokar was at the touchy and fuming. Um, but not picked up, and that happens. We, it happened against us against the Roosters. I must say, before I tee off into these two instant situations, I'm so glad the Bulldogs have now got an attitude when things don't go against them. They used to shut down. So when things went against them and they felt caused, they were getting harshly done by cause, <coughs> they would shut down, and you could see them drop. They don't drop anymore. They continue to fight. I think that's something that Mick Potter's brought in as well uh, that we haven't had in a long time. That when things don't go against us, you've got to go back in there. It's you've got to still try and you've got to keep going, which is awesome. But two situ- <coughs> two moments. Uh Latrell Mitchell's high tackle on Josh Anakar. Late. It was a smack in the face. Um and it was a late, late contact. So I thought instant sin bin. I didn't think the referee had to even think about it. I thought he would call Latrell and sin bin him. I don't know what your thoughts are about it, but Adokar put the kick in. He was running, and then he got smacked across the, the melon. Yeah, maybe Adokar milked it a little bit. You could say that Adokar was playing for the penalty. It's possible. Adokar might have been playing for a quick rest as well. Um, he did have a sore back and a sore ankle and a sore leg. But he tackled someone late. That's a sin bin. That's a sin bin for a try-scoring situation. Adokar was chasing. Definitely not a penalty try. Um, too many Rabbitohs, red and green jerseys around to say it's a penalty try. That's a sin bin every single day of the week. Now, how did Chris Butler, the, the two the two touch judges, and Adam G in the bunker miss that? It is a sin bin every day of the week. Every single day. You cannot take a player out chasing the ball that late near a trial line and not have it sin bin. And then also add the smack across the face. That was lazy from Latrell. It was ill-disciplined. And it was deliberate uh, act by Latrell. How is that not a sin bin? I would never know. Could that sin bin help the Bulldogs win? Definitely could have. Ten minutes out of the trail, how could that would have been? Would have been on the thing. But he didn't get sin bin. And the other one, Cody Walker. I must say, before actually, before I go to Cody Walker, the trail, what a player. Jeez, what a good player. And when do we need to learn the trail plays better when we boo him? 
Stop booing Latrell. Because seriously, he's a player who feeds off hate more than I've, I think anyone if, in the NRL at the moment. If we're talking, yeah, good point. If we're talking Latrell, though, I keep forgetting how deep he stands at fullback until I see him play again. Yes. I, there was times where we were bringing out our own half on our 20 years. 10, and he was standing on their 20. Mm. I'm like... Chip and chase. Yeah, there's only a matter of time before somebody, um, a, a quick young nippy half of some uh, some balls, <laughs> I could bet shows that for the NRL to see. Or Ben Hunt. Because yeah. <laughs> I reckon he's quick. He's getting quicker. He's, I don't know, it's he's like fine wine. I reckon he's getting quicker and better than the older he's yeah. getting. So that's, yeah. but that's not a Ben Hunt podcast or a Dragons podcast, but there's a shout out to Benny Hunt. But yeah, the Troll Mitchell <laughs> plays off booze better than everyone, I reckon, in the NRL. He's in copying it from the sideline. He missed the goal and that one goal, I think, <clears throat> and they had a bit of fun. But he plays, when he's hated, mm. I think he plays better. Yeah, possibly. I, and I um, think if we ignore him, just don't really boo him or <coughs> celebrate the, him. The little, um, the little slap across the, well, the slap across the face, as you called it. Tell you what, it almost looked like an NFL, don't know how many NFL fans have got, but an NFL face mask. Where the player's running and uh, the defense has put an arm out to make a tackle, oh. it accidentally grabs the grill of the mask and, and, <coughs> and pulls it. Kind of looked like that. And um, yeah, I was like, that was my initial reaction when I saw the replay. I was like, is that a face mask? Wrong sport. But um, that's what it looked like more than more than a high tackle. Or a, well, obviously, it was high up the face, but um, more than anything else, if you get what I mean there. Um, but yes, yeah, so they go on. You got another Where one. Cody Walker, now, <coughs> angriest man in the world. Dead set, yeah. angriest man in the world. I, I don't think he's ever smiled in his life. Um, Hates any half that wears a blue and white jersey by the looks of it. Yeah, like, Kyle Flanagan, I have no idea. I want to defend Kyle, I will, because you wear blue and white, I'll defend you as much as I possibly can. But <coughs> Kyle <coughs> running past Cody, he might have said something cheeky on the way through. <coughs> Oh, but I mean, this cough is not going away six weeks or seven weeks on. Anyway, yeah, so face palms, Kyle Flanagan, which is a contact to the face, which is a striking action. Which a few years ago, I think we're going back four or five years, when Sam Burgess tried to do a couple of facey palmy or smacky smacky uh, and trying to get away from being sin bin, they changed the rules to any strike to the head is it automatically sin bin. So, mm. how did Adam G miss that? How did Chris Butler miss that? Like, these are the serious questions that they like they need to ask. Like, that's a ten in the bin every other week. You cannot argue it that he stroke stroke Kyle Flanagan in the face. Flanagan did not retaliate either, so he did everything Strikes. right. Not yeah, yeah. Sorry, a strike in the face. That's ten in the bin. That's just no if, no buts. One look at it, what? and it's done. See, Cody Walker, I think it was last year, if not the year before, the whole Lachlan Lewis last year. situation. Before he yeah, I thought it was last year. So what is it with white bulldog halves that uh, aren't massively tall that Cody Walker doesn't like? Like He wasn't going after Burden. Mitchell was, yeah. but <laughs> Walker wasn't going after Burden. Uh, he picked on the uh, the other small, small back. Very angry yeah, but, man, Cody Walker. Yeah, but uh, Lachlan Lewis last year, I just say, under the rules, I'm 100% agree because Ben Cummings was refereeing that game. And I agree, Lachlan should have been sin-binned. Like, he bought into Cody's little game <coughs> of yeah. them chatting. 
and Lachlan had the had the shits. Flipped him. No, <laughs> no punching or anything. So technically, could have argued they'd never punched or anything like that. But I think Ben Cummings said, "Hey, listen, he acting a bit like a dickhead in the bin, really. They stick at half time. Like, why are you tackling yourself at half time? You know, yeah. trying to flip him, karate flip him over your shoulder or whatever." He was Lachlan also attempting to do. And I agree with that. I think that was a fair call. Like, there was no need for it. It was just stupidity, and I think it's simply for being stupid. This is a deliberate strike to the head, which is a sin bin every single day of the week, except on Sundays, apparently, or Sunday nights. Chris Butler, <coughs> not sure what he was thinking. Adam G, I don't know if Chris Butler saw it live. This one, I think, you know, t- to be a bit more fair to Chris Butler, because that happened after the Paul Vaughan try. Mm. <coughs> so Chris Butler might have been in the moment of, you know, you're just about to blow the whistle, give the try, clear with his touch touches. That's fine. If he missed that and didn't see it, that's awesome. Adam G, he watched the replay, and don't tell me he didn't see it because it was played on the big screen, like 50, like all 19,000 people were expecting a sin bin coming. Mm. Where was the communications to Chris Butler to tell him to get Cody Walker off the field? Because that's what had to be done, and Adam G slipped up there, and the other one before that, this, Chris Butler saw the late hit because he blew the penalty quicker. Last and early for Josh Adakar. Every day of the week, that's a sin bin. Now, are we getting scared and we saying this? I don't want to throw the protected species tag out there on that, but the Troll Mitchell's a very big player. A very, very big player. Superstar, origin, you know, winner. Grand final winner at the Roosters. Possibly, he'll probably do it at Souths sometime <laughs> soon. Uh, <clears throat> or maybe the Dolphins. I don't know where he's going next or whatever he's doing. Massive player. Big marketing tool. Did Chris Butler get scared? Because if he did, he's not ready to be an referee. You got a Simbin player. It's like Matt Check and Simbin Cameron Smith. Mm. Back to chatting. Is that the case? Because if he's getting scared, because that's a Simbin, you cannot tackle someone late and then smack him in the face as well. <coughs> so that should have been two Simbins. Could have changed the game. It would have changed the game. We'll troll off for 10 minutes. That would have caused havoc for itself. That would have caused havoc for one. We've got some uh, breaking <coughs> news coming through as well, so we'll get to that in just a second. Always, almost always, when we're on the podcast, there is some sort of Bulldogs headline. This week, though, it doesn't really matter because you guys listen to the podcast. <laughs> this Sunday, 2 p.m., uh, the Bulldogs are playing the Gold Coast Titans. Um, no reserve grade on before this, unfortunately, and it is at uh, Combank Stadium, the old Bankwest Stadium or Western Sydney Stadium, if you prefer that, um, up against Gold Coast Titans. Hopefully a big crowd comes out because it's our last home game until the final round, uh, not including the Bundaberg home game. Talking about memberships here. What? Um, yeah, I had a look at it earlier today. Every, every game between now and the final round, we are away, uh, except for our home game in Bundaberg. So um, this game in the final round will be the remaining membership games. Um, well, that just makes me feel happy. <laughs> yeah, the season is almost coming to an end. And for me, Scotty, I've also realised that I might not even be able to make that Larks game because it is a Friday 6pm game. So... Um, Russian, Russian home from uh, from work out to Homebush might be it might just be a bit too hard there. I'll, I'll definitely try, that's for sure. But we'll see. So yeah, really disappointing for myself there. Um, the team lineup: Jake Avarillo retains his spot at fullback. 
uh, on the wing, Jacob Perez and Josh Adokai. And I said there's Declan Casey and Braden Burns. I think we didn't touch on Braden Burns, though, Scotty, but I thought he had a really strong game on the weekend against South as yeah. well. So though, the trust celebration questionable, but everything else. Yeah, apparently it's a fortune <coughs> thing. Fortnite. Or a Fortnite thing. Yeah, yeah I, I found that was, last night, yeah. Yeah, I thought he was just being <coughs> cheeky, but apparently it's a video game thing. Um, I'm impartial to video games, but normally I play rugby league, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> uh, where were we? The Yeah, where were we? Matty, uh, the Haas with Matty Burden and Kyle Flanagan. The props, Max King and Paul Vaughan. What a job those two players have done. Well deserved to be starting props as well. Jeremy Marshall King uh, at Hooker in his last year with the club, obviously. Uh, Josh Jackson and Corey Waddell in the second row. Tanita Pengai Jr. at lock. The bench. Zach Docker Clay, Curtis Morin, Joe Stimson, and Raymond Fatala Mariner. Uh, the reserve list Matt Dufty, Bailey Bialiono, Jackson Torpenny, uh, Chris Patolo, and Aaron Shop. So it'll be interesting to see if Josh Adekar, um is able to fit. Also, I'll just throw one question at you, Scott. Is it time to take Zach Docker Clay off the bench? I don't know. <laughs> I like Zach Dr. Clay. I, I like him because he's got a good name. I reckon it's a nice name. Um, <laughs> and he's a little dude as well. Like, he's so tiny. Like, he's ridiculously tiny in height. Like, um, that means nothing at all. So I started very trying to be on the fence. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I think realistically he's on the bench. We want, like, this utility on the bench, but I think we see more value in placing Belly Beyond Diodo and Cup. And playing yeah. eight minutes instead of fifteen. So even I say Bailey's rated higher. That's funny because he's not in the top seventeen, mm. but they see more value of him playing the full eighty week <coughs> week out instead of fifteen minutes. Good, where Zach Dogger plays in his late twenties, and yeah, I think this is. <coughs> I hate saying this, but I think that's the height he's going to get in his NRL career. Yeah, agreed. <coughs> um, but I'm just looking at him, and I don't see him being around when we start being really successful again. And uh, and I know we've talked about, you know, the concern that we might lose Jackson Torpenny, uh, and that decision may have already been made, nothing confirmed um, uh, at the end of this year. But wouldn't it be more beneficial to have Jackson Torpenny? I know it's less versatility as far as halves play and, and all that. It's a pretty good hooker, though. You play in the second row, I'd throw him at centre as well if we really needed to. But would it be more beneficial having him play for 18 minutes one week, 25 minutes the next to the overall team than Zach Docker Clay? Especially because yes. Zach Docker Clay is not even playing hooker for most of the time. He's playing that um, that sort of link lock forward position in the middle. Just to I think, so I, Jackson I, think I would have Torpenny instead. Yeah, actually, you know what? I can't disagree with that. I think, you know, I, I like Zach Docker Clay. He's got a good story. Um, I think he's done nothing wrong most of his top against, like as in, but you know, good story and you know, safe so far and best for the team. Um, yeah. and, on the, and like you said, he came on for Tavita Penga Jr., I think, for the first one of the first or second change of the game. He took someone tall, bang this off, and then put him in the middle as that link role. I know he was trying to be Tavita, it'd be funny. He gets a couple of good runs. <clears throat> he gets a couple of runs in the middle as well. <clears throat> He's not doing anything wrong, but it's just I think you have the chat with Zach saying, you know what, play go back to reserve grade, play hooker with like Beyond Diodo and or 
you know, and uh, wake him straight out of the house or whatever it is, or do that because Torpenny, and like you said, Torpenny, you say the lack of versatility, but you can play second row centers. You can probably chuck him at 5'8 and he'll still do something for you. And you can play hooker. But he can yeah. put, you can, you can give him a 10 minute stint if you worry that Marshall King can't play the full 80 and has that kind of covers a little bit. Second, Torpenny. Yeah, well, Torpenny played like 70 or 75 minutes last year at hooker, or the year before at hooker. It's yeah, so you can definitely cover that position even for a longer period of time. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Nothing, nothing for against, us that week. Sorry, I agree with your sentiments. Nothing against um, what um, Dr. Clay's done. I'm just thinking overall uh, for balance of the team. Anyway, uh, and I really, really like Torbany as well. Okay, um, ranking news to finish it off with Scotty. So um, it's not really news, but. There's been a spotted Cameron Soraldo has been spotted at the locker room with his manager in a meeting with Arthur Laundy's son. Um, don't know his son's name at the moment. It's escaping me. Uh, and one other person. So it looks like uh, that photo was taken uh, in the last 24 hours or so. So Cameron Serrano, his manager, George Mimis, I believe it is, and the Bulldogs' major sponsor, who has made it very clear that they want to be more than just a sponsor and be a part of running the club as well with their financial clout and their business skills. Uh, they've been spotted having dinner last night, and that has set off the, um, the rumour mill that the Bulldogs are closing in on the signature of yet another... Prepare for assistant coach to be the head coach. I don't know what's right out of this because what Kevin Serrano's career has only been the interim coach at Penrith after Griffin. Mm. I think that's it. I can't remember him coaching reserve grade. Yeah, well, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Where where are the reserve grade coaches coming through? They're all <clears throat> assistant coaches now. Yeah, and I don't know, like. Oh, I mean, it's not the Trent Barrett thing. Remember, probably when we first started this podcast, Trent Barrett signed. Um, yeah. Um, we were saying, we're going to back him and support him, but can we find out what Mick Otto wants? Like, cause seriously, like, I'd be giving him a run if he if he's keen. I would like to know if he's actually keen yeah. to coach us because he hasn't answered it straight or not. And Mick Potter's had some really good press conferences. Um, yeah. He hasn't given us a straight answer, so we're not too sure where he's sitting at it. <laughs> I, I I agree with that, but I also think he kind of gave it, Mick Potter, the, that is, gave us his answer when he said he's just coaching to the end of the year when he first took over, mm. and that's what he was focusing on. I feel like we, the media, the fans, probably haven't read into that comment enough. I think that okay. says more than, um, more than, you know, that, that might be more than what those those few words actually mean, if that makes sense. Now, you just mentioned Kevin Serrano's record, so I've just gone to the trusty rugby league project, of course, to look up his coaching records. Uh, he's coached Penrith in seven games, uh, including one game stood in this year on the rugby league project website. They've accredited to him, not Cleary. So that's seven games, four wins and three losses at uh, 57%. 
Yep, that's right. Sorry, I just had some uh, a weird adjustment there. That 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 is correct. He also coached Italy at the 2017 Rugby League World Cup uh, in his free games there. He has had uh, two losses and a win. So that's... overall, fifty percent in the professional coaching. So, but we all know, you know, can't read into that too much. I think the biggest concern is there's been a lot of raps on Cameron Serrano. He's the next, you know, career coach, the next master coach. But the scary thing for Bulldogs fans is that, uh, and you alluded to it a little bit, a little bit earlier. That's all the same things we're saying about Barrett. Yeah, he was supposed to be the next master coach, um, the next career coach. Um, and he couldn't really transition into that head coach role, unfortunately, and have success. Um, so hopefully, if this is true and Serrano is coming to the Bulldogs, there's only one thing we can do initially. Again, let's get behind him and support him, uh, and hopefully it's a better result. But hopefully, if Mick Potter, hopefully Mick Potter's involved somewhere in the club, um, <coughs> you might not want to be the head coach week in and week out. Potter had a <coughs> very bad experience at the Tigers. Um, yeah. <coughs> he had him running quite well, then injuries and... Other things got in his way and they started running and got sacked. Um, so he might like the fact he thing. But if he's, if he's keen to be an assistant in some way, like Cameron Silverado would be an idiot not to consider him, especially by the attacking play. Far out. Look at Mick to go yeah. like when, since he's taken over. Because we, <clears throat> and like um, Andy Raymond said at the start of the year, which is a good podcast, um, <clears throat> Andy was spot on. I think he was one who tipped that Barrett wouldn't last the season. He said he'd find it hard uh, to see where they improve from. But <coughs> Andy says you need a Bulldogs man <coughs> at Canterbury. So, yeah. Kevin Serrano is not a Bulldogs man at all. So, the best thing he could do if he's not a Bulldogs man would be having Mick Potter, who's a Bulldogs man. Yeah, but can he become a Bulldogs man? I guess that's the question. And I think that's probably a good point to leave off this podcast for this week. Um, thank you, Scotty. I'll see you again next week. Hopefully, um, after a big crowd gets out, because we're running out of opportunities to go see the Bulldogs this year, uh, on Sunday afternoon football at 2 o'clock, hopefully it's a little bit warmer and it's dry and it's a good game at uh, Crumbank Stadium. See you guys then. <laughs>